0: What's up? It's yummy Picker from Amber Creative. This
1: is Deanna with In the Zoning and Print Girl Mafia.
0: This is Ray Weese with Printing the night of the Lion.
1: You're listening to the Two Regular Guys
0: podcast, hosted by Terry Combs RG, Regular guy and Aaron Montgomery.
1: The place to be for industry news, the best dad jokes on earth, along with relevant topics to apparel decorating, fashion to the people.
2: All right. Welcome into the show. Today is Friday, January 19th, 2024. My name is Aaron Montgomery. I'm with our success group. And my mission is to inspire people to fall in love with their small businesses and uh, get to do that right here on the two regular guys. As you can tell, I am uh, solo today. No Terry on the front side and uh, no Eric in the background. You guys wouldn't have seen that, but uh, those two fine gentlemen are out at the Long Beach show, the Impressions Expo in Long Beach. And uh, so I said, I got it. I'm holding down the fort. Plus, we had an opportunity to, to speak to somebody really special today. Uh, his gentleman's name is Mike Scruton, and he's from Adobe, and he's going to be joining me in just a moment. We're going to discuss graphics. We're going to talk about A little bit about AI, right? You can't talk in this world of business today without some conversation of AI coming up. And then just unlocking the power of Adobe Print. So um, Mike uh, is somebody I've had a chance to talk to. I met him in person at the Printing United event out there in Atlanta last year. And uh, we had a a get-together earlier this week and just somebody I really enjoy talking to. uh, Really smart guy. So I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing him with you guys here today. I also want to remind everybody, stay till the very end to get your helping of the secret sauce. Uh, As I mentioned, Terry is in Long Beach for the Impressions Expo. But uh, through the magic of video, uh, he is going to be bringing you the secret sauce today. And he's going to be talking to you screen printers out there about properly degreasing your screens. Um, Also, speaking of the Impressions Expo out there in Long Beach all of our news correspondents, uh, they're unavailable this week as well. So we're going to, we're going to skip over the news segment today. We, we, we do that from time to time. Uh, you know, Cassie was, was carrying us for a long time and now we've got Marcia and Adrian back and, uh, looking at adding a few more people to the mix, but, uh, Right now, we're just going to skip that. So stay tuned for next week. We will be back next week with an episode of the news there for you so you can catch up on all the latest happenings in the industry. So um, for those of you tuned in live, love to check in with you. Say good morning. Uh, Chuck, I appreciate you appreciate you checking in. Good morning and, and thanks for tuning in. Uh, make sure that you guys are getting out there and sharing this episode with your friends you're not going to want to miss what we're talking about here today with the power of adobe print so we also would not be the two regular guys without a dad joke so um before i share the dad joke i just want to give a a special shout out to my friend michelle wilson Uh, she's part of our mastermind group the masters of success um this joke is coming to you courtesy of this calendar right here uh she she sent a nice little note along with it saying i saw this calendar and i knew who had to have it so right there the 24 uh, 2024 calendar of dad jokes so uh, buckle up you guys uh, we are always we're jam packed with lots of great dad jokes here so let's do that really quickly here and uh, i'll come back with the dad joke Okay, so without Eric, there's not going to be some fun banner, but just, so just play along at home here. Uh, so here's the deal. You should not kiss anyone on January 1st as it's only the first date. But bum. Okay. All right, there we go. So that that's that's our dad joke courtesy of the calendar from my good friend, Michelle Wilson. So thank you guys uh, for, uh, you know, always looking forward to the dad jokes. We'll see if there's any follow-up uh, Charles. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. And uh, Mr. David gross from Connie systems. Thank you for being here this morning and uh, tuning in. So, um, before we get Mike in here, uh, before we dive in, I do want to thank everybody who is checking out the Two Raider Guys podcast, whether you're listening to us on the podcast side of things, or if you are tuning in live or watching us on YouTube or Facebook or LinkedIn, or wherever you might catch your video updates, you can do so there. But um, we just want to thank you. We really appreciate you. and And, you know, we're... I didn't check the exact number, we're, we're about 527 maybe, this is 527, 528 potentially, uh, since we started in 2013, and uh, just really appreciate you guys, all the regulators out there, and, and you guys being a part of this. Um, so, speaking of being a part of this, we do need your voices, you've heard some of the new intros uh, over the last uh, few months here. Um, But we're always looking to keep those fresh and up to date. Um, In fact, some of the intros we already have, people have moved companies already. So we would love to have all of you guys, all of the the decorators out there, all of the regulators join us and be a part of this and be a part of our show intro. We've made it really easy. If you'll just go to decorators.inc forward slash intro, we've got some prompts for you to make it really easy just enjoy, right? Add your fun to it, right? <laughs> um, I think it was Adrian or maybe it was Cassie that said best dad jokes, Cassie, best dad jokes on the planet, whatever. Just have a little fun, make your voice part of this and um, don't be left out of that opportunity. Um, and we are always looking for new guests. And and so if you are got a topic that you'd like to hear or maybe you've got an expertise you'd like to share Um, so if you or anyone, you know, would like to join us, you can just have them or yourself. You can go to Calendly.com forward slash two. That's the number two regular guys and uh, pick out a Friday. That's going to work for you. Or again, if you've got an episode that you'd like to hear or somebody you think we should be reaching out to, um, you can just reach out to us through our email address, info at two regular guys.com and share your show ideas with us. Also, um, if you are listening to the podcast version here uh we would very much appreciate uh, you giving us a review and uh, that way your friends and people out there can become regulators as well and understand what being a regulator is all about um and so that review really helps us and you can review us on anywhere podcasts can be found Uh, we've made sure to try to be listed on on all the the active places, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcasts, YouTube Podcasts, or wherever you do your podcast listening, we should be there. And uh, so if you are listening on the podcast version, like I said, please give us a review. We very much would appreciate that. Also, if you are one of those folks that's tuned in to the live right now, in fact, uh, saw a couple more uh, folks checking in here. Rena, good morning! Thanks for being here. Um, make sure that you uh, take a quick moment here and just go share this. Hit that, hit that share button, um, or. or post it into your social media feeds go whatever group you're active in post it in there and uh let's get some more people in here so they can be learning from mike here in just a moment and if you have any questions of mike you know we may or may not have time to get those in front of him so you got to be here live to check that out all right so without further ado we're going to dive right in that's a great part about rolling solo is uh there's not a ton of back and forth here today uh until we get our guests in here so i am going to welcome in mike and and I did not check the pronunciation of his last name, but I think I did okay. But let's find out here. So welcome in, Mike Scruton with Adobe. Mike, th- how close was I? Was
1: I? Uh, you're in the ballpark, Aaron. Mike yeah, Scruton is way. how we rolled, but yeah, you're, you're close.
2: <laughs> okay, well, well t- tell us what it is correctly then, please. <laughs> it's Mike
1: Scruton. Yeah.
2: Scruton. So okay. Remember, sounds like button. There we go. That That makes it super easy. Yeah. All right, well, <laughs> welcome in, Mike. Thank you so much for being here. Um, so we we kind of gave up a while back kind of reading these carefully curated bios and, you know, kind of got a little uh, kind of made you feel icky, actually. But uh, so mm-hmm. I, we always felt, hey, it's best to learn about you from you. So maybe share a little bit about you, your journey with Adobe and just kind of how you interact with the print and garment decorating
1: industry. Yeah, I well, first of all, you'll notice I have a strange accent, so I don't hail from these lands. I'm a naturalized. <laughs> We've been here 17 years. I started out fresh out of college into the uh, the software industry, computer software, specifically in print back in the UK. Um, okay. I was for a company designing software that helped people print. And my early days were spent running uh, image setters, processing film, uh, making oh. proofs. I uh, actually did a bunch of work in the newspaper industry back in the early 90s as well. Um, standing in press halls and smelling the ink and almost losing an arm on a printing press. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that journey took me uh, to Adobe after a number of years. Uh, next year, I will have been at Adobe for about 30 years. So that makes me a veteran. Um, yeah. t- typically, I work at the back end of the of the process, right? We work with um, people who are actually at the printing and manufacturing end of the pipeline for print. Okay. Um, That's the team I'm a part of. Um, But you don't spend 30 years at Adobe without getting a good appreciation for the entire sort of design creation, all the way through to manufacturer workflows. I mean, that's part of of what I do here at Adobe is I'm an evangelist who um, can speak print to the people who want to do print, but also explain print to the people that don't print, um, and hopefully understand a little bit about the creative process as well, and bring that to the table to try and make sure the whole thing works end to end because there's nothing wrong with the i with uh, being able to design stuff and then not being able to print it so hopefully I I have a foot in both camps and and can speak to both of those yeah yeah well uh, like I said I,
2: I know in our conversations that we've had so far I've been been really impressed with how how you kind of bring everything together and so I'm I'm excited about our our conversation here today thank you um, yeah hopefully definitely. I'm
1: a master of everything and expert at absolutely nothing.
2: There we go. That's the way to go. <laughs> all right. Well, we've got some other folks checking in here from Cool Boston and uh, Dot Tone Dan Campbell says good morning, gang. So, all right, Mike. Well, as I mentioned, kind of at the top of the show, it's hard to have a conversation these days without uh, the uh, word or term AI or artificial mm-hmm. intelligence coming up, whether that's mm-hmm. in our marketing or kind of the business operations, or really in in our world, a ton of talk about it in the in the graphics space, and so. Maybe you could start us off here, just kind of give us a little more insight into how AI technology has historically been used in design and, and print workflows and, and maybe how uh, you see it evolving or, you know, through, through the Adobe world that you play in there.
1: Yeah, it's it's very interesting. I remember back when I was in college, one of my my best friends did a paper on on AI back in the early '90s. So, and it goes, of course, it goes back so much further than that. Yeah, you know, sure. Back to the '40s as well. So, the, the concept isn't new. I think what's interesting over the last few years is it's really caught the public's attention uh, yeah. through um, various online services that do AI. Um, I think in, when I was growing up, we thought the robots were going to come and take over the world. And now we think it's the AI that's going to take over the world. Um, <laughs> and to be honest, the, the robots taking over the world is kind of got to the stage where it cleans my floor. And that's <laughs> as close as the robots got to taking over my world. Um, so <laughs> I don't know if that's a predictor for where. <laughs> if well, that's like what there. they want to do, then a will to the floor. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's okay. Um, but okay. So. AI is a technology, right? We've been applying technologies to our industry for for decades. The whole point that we're using computers and software um, and lasers and stuff to um, decorate garments is applying technology, and AI is another technology, right? Um, One of the things that I've seen, a couple of areas I think this is really uh, applying to us now, I do a lot of photography. I'm sure a lot of other people do who, as well who are listening. And one yeah. of the things that we're not very good at is sorting through all those photos that we took uh, on our vacations or on our travels and being able to go back and find them later. You know, that idea of tagging photos or indexing them and all that sort of thing has, is something we don't spend a lot of time on. Um, and for y- several years now, we've been used to the idea of using software or even, frankly, just our phones that will tell us, ah, here's a photo of your <laughs> wife on this <laughs> beach, yep, on this yep. particular day, <laughs> <lake>, right? <laughs> and, and you know, that sort of software to allow us to do searching easily is, is something we're just used to. And a lot yeah. of that sort of thing is powered by AI today, right? That's how we get that benefit. Um, we're seeing some other uses of AI in the graphics industry, maybe by giving um, an AI engine a prompt and having it not just find an image that maybe we have in our archives, but hope, hope, but maybe even blend or merge or improve on an image that we already have. I was, I had to create a design the other week for um, somebody, and they had a picture of their of their mother, and she was sat at a table in a cafe, and there was a whole lot of noise going on behind her, and yeah. and part of the brief was, can you get rid of that noise? You know, we don't mind her being in a cafe, but it just doesn't she's not the focus of the, of attention yeah. and with a few clicks i'm not a you know i was not a, an expert in in retouching um and i certainly didn't have hours and hours to spend on this job but yeah. with a few clicks i was able, able to clean up the image re, remove a bunch of content from the background actually improve the scene that she was sitting in and and this um, this daughter now has this beautiful picture of her mom, which she can use for you know various things, put in a nice frame or whatever going yeah. forward. So you know one of the things that AI is doing, I think, is is empowering us. I'm, I care slightly less about the idea that you know I'm going to ask for a picture of a celebrity, you know, <laughs> who would have thought twelve months ago I'll. Oh, picture of taylor swift at a football game because that's never (laughs) going to happen right i I could care less about using ai to generate that sort of thing um but actually taking my content and improving on it or helping my clients um get exactly what they want with with less time or less effort that's really i think where the the power is coming in yeah yeah i mean totally see that i I mean just from a
2: Application in in our world, right? So you know, there's lots of different things from screen printing direct to garment to DTF and things like that. Sublimation is actually, don't tell anybody, but if I had to pick a favorite, sublimation is my favorite uh, process that, that we get to talk about here. And and in that world, one of the big challenges is you get these graphics, but there's no bleed area, and you need right. that that bleed I, area, right? I'm, and man, the AI uh, just I put it in Photoshop, do do a couple of, like you said, a couple
1: clicks. i've got
2: the bleed area yeah it's not exactly perfect Yeah. but will it do the job to give me the bleed area that i need absolutely
1: bleed i mean bleed isn't one particular problem i mean let's face it if you if you gave a piece of art to a designer and say oh can you increase the bleed then it's like okay you know what to do you know you extend this object you remove that clip you you do a bit of work here um one of the things i'm sure we'll get into talk about this in a bit but we're increasingly printing work which is coming from our clients. And most clients are not expert graphic artists. Yeah. Right. But they want to to have this thing made. And sure. and to be honest, yeah. I think a lot of the volume that we're going to get in the future is not, you know, is going to be increased by lots of short runs, one-offs, this sort of thing, where you don't really have the margin to go and spend a lot of time improving those things. But yeah. the the customer sees something on the screen. All right. And they want to see the finished product of the screen they don't want to see it with additional marks and bleeds and what's this extra rectangle thing going on right if we can get to the stage where our software is is or our print solutions are so sophisticated that we bleed is a problem that we have it's a manufacturing problem it's not really a a, a client's problem right so forcing them to do things to make our lives better in production is a bit anachronistic i think as we as we look to the future i think we we need to be if we're being more customer centric and showing them what it is that they're going to get and allowing them to submit their what they want to see we need to use tools maybe powered by ai to help improve some of those back-end tasks that we would have to do yeah
2: yeah it's 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 so interesting where where that's going. But, like you said, it's you know it's just coming into the public sphere. It's not that it's brand new. It's just we're we're using no. it a little bit differently. and and because it's coming into the public sphere,
1: I think the creativity with it is is uh, inc- increasing too right. And I think part of my mind when I try and rationalize you know how how do I work with this? How do I see it? How do I see it yeah. affecting our our landscape as people who do work, hopefully for some pay? <laughs> it's it's a bit like AI to me is a bit like having you know the old adage about putting enough monkeys in a room with typewriters, right? Eventually one of them will make write Shakespeare, right? Yeah. To me, AI is a bit like that infinite number of monkeys I um writing <laughs> Shakespeare. I can give an AI engine um something that I would like them to do, um, and they will hope hopefully um give me something along the lines of what I have asked for. But I have yes. to have asked for it right? Yes. I have to have an idea of the design aesthetic that I'm looking for. yeah. And because yep. there's no guarantee, but that, you know, random chimp typing away on a keyboard is actually going to give me anything useful. And I think yep. one of the powers of AI is that hopefully it filters out some of that noise. So even that those ideas that are presented to me, but I get to make a decision, do I want to use this or not use it? You know, hopefully some of that filtering is done for me as well. And it makes it now a manageable, um, manageable beast. I don't know. I've, my my father's an as an airplane nut, right? And you can think of you know flyby wires on various airplanes, right? Very there are airplanes flying in the air today, but by rights, by the Wright brothers even, you shouldn't be able to fly that. But with enough you know electronic compensation, you can take an object which shouldn't be shouldn't be capable of flight and turn it into something which is actually now viable. And that, yeah. maybe that's something that, that AI will help us do as well. Interesting. I like that. Uh, yeah.
2: All right. So when we first started talking
1: about this AI side of
2: things, you kind of started leaning into it, you know, right, like AI has some potential challenges, right? There's some mm-hmm. things that I think a lot of folks, especially designers and, and people that have put in the work and done all of this, that are kind of looking at AI, uh, especially around the graphics and and what are the ethics of this? Um, so I, I wanted to ask you, how, how is Adobe approaching this part of AI?
1: Yeah, it's really, really important area and, and something we have to get right. And I know it's something we're, we're talking with regulators as well, because maybe this is an area for regulation. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about, as you say, being ethical. Um, mm-hmm. The boys and girls who are doing stuff at Adobe uh, around AI, you were very careful that you know if we're ever you have to train an AI engine. Yep. Sure. And we're very careful that when we train an engine we're we're doing it with data that we have the rights to that we've purchased the rights to um and so that's one important thing um we have a library of content you know that we we make available to our um to our users already as part of their subscriptions so that's the sort of those are the libraries that we're training our our engines on but the other thing as well is and um, this is something we've been particularly active is how do we let somebody know you see a photo on the internet is that happen was that real or has it been edited and and one of the areas that we're playing closely is in the um, content authenticity initiative right basically uh, think of it as a way of watermarking content to say where did it come from who who took it who modified it what did it look like before it was modified Right. So that um, that that watermark, if you like, um, can flow with that content wherever it ends up. And so you know what the ethics of this particular content was before you try and use it in some way or you try and interpret it. Maybe you're seeing it in a news website um, and being able to click on a little button on the image and see what did this look like before it was retouched or edited? Um, It's really difficult to. um to look at a piece of content and prove that it wasn't that it proved it wasn't touched so we kind of taken in the, the inverse way of trying to solve that problem is well whenever it was touched and let's face it our tools are used in a lot of editing out there you know yeah. well we'll put a watermark in there so you know it was touched right and look for that authenticity watermark if you like if you want to trust what this thing is and hopefully that's a way of trying to address that sort of problem that's awesome.
2: That's awesome. I, I'm I'm super glad to hear that, right? I mean, you know, a company like Adobe, you guys uh, taking a, a lead on on that type of thing, I think is is really important to to get it right. Um, you hear a lot of other stories about other kind of companies and <laughs> some of the things that they're doing and saying, oh, you should just give us this stuff for free, and <laughs> and I'm going to make a billion dollars of it. So uh, right. going at it from an ethical side, that's uh, I think that's very important. So thank you for sharing all that. Um, so, Mike, I, I want to kind of trail off our, our AI discussion here and, and get into some other things that, um, you know, again, you and I had a chance to talk a little earlier, and um, our, our customers are changing. You know, the, the things that we're being asked to print out there in the, the garment and product decorating world, and how how that comes to us is definitely changing. Um, it used to be that they would show up with this napkin sketch really terrible and say, make this awesome and put it on a shirt with a couple colors, right? <laughs> and, and you know, that was always the groan and complain, you know, oh, how many napkins did you get this week kind of thing when all the screen printers were getting together. Um, but today, you know, a lot of the people out there are creating amazing content, whether that's, you know, through YouTube or, or whatever, um, curated, beautiful stuff on Instagram, all this other stuff. Um, and so they are kind of embracing this full color a little bit more. And, and I guess also because that a lot of them find themselves to be creators, they want to be part of that creation process, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. They they know how to make this thing that's going to go on the internet, but for us, we're like, well, that's not going to work on a, on a shirt, for example, or Mm -hmm. something like that. But talk to us a little bit about how Adobe might be kind of bridging this gap from that quote unquote professional designer to an online content creator, and how how kind of we can look at that from a decorator standpoint?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Adobe has been synonymous in its software tools for decades now, uh, with um, tools like Photoshop and Illustrator widely yeah. used in our industry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can use it. I can use Illustrator, but I mean, I'm going to put "use" in air quotes, right? <laughs> I've worked for Adobe for 30 years, and can I really use Illustrator? <laughs> oh my goodness, no. Um, Photoshop, I'm slightly better, but I mean, but even then, I use a small percentage of the functionality of Photoshop. But if I want to do something, it can do it, which is really helpful. But that's okay. I mean, I I realise, but I'm one of a um, uh, and we maybe are one of a relatively small group of people with those expertise because we've invested that amount of our time, our lives, into Mm -hmm. working out how to get the best out of these softwares. Um, As you said, I mean, everybody's a creator now. Um, You just have to. Uh, look around your own family and see what they're looking at on their phones and whether it's Instagram or TikTok or YouTube videos or whatever or videos on Facebook you know this is where people are are consuming their content and you know I would wager most stuff on Instagram is not created by a professional graphic artist right likewise on TikTok Um, it's it's an easy um, it's an easy statement to make I think what that then means for us when we are in the making business, right? We are in the business of taking a an idea, a requirement, uh, an inspiration that a customer has, and taking it off the screen and into the real world. The question then comes: is well, are they coming to us with a um, uh, a napkin, or you know, if they've got the skills to create an Instagram post, maybe they think they've got the skills to make a design, right? Yep. Or design what this layout should be. Yeah, And so what we've been focusing on with some of our teams is working out, well, how do we make that more accessible? How do we make that easier for the average um, person mm-hmm. to, to make a design easily? We have this new product around called Adobe Express, which is, it's allows people to express themselves and, and easily, right? The idea you can start with, um, a photo that you have, that you can remove the background, but you can put something else in the background maybe, or you you want to do a, you're going to knock out um, the background because you're going to place it on the garment, or you want to add some text, or you want to add some graphics and an embellish it, right? So it's really a, a designed to allow to do those simple tasks. Well, what might be difficult for or, or require some learning if you were doing that in Photoshop uh, or Illustrator, make it really, really simple for the non-expert. Yeah. Uh, to create, some, create something which is which is good. When we do that, we do it in a way that allows us to um, integrate with our other creative applications. So, for example, if you're familiar with Adobe applications, we have this idea of libraries, the idea you can store assets or templates or fonts or designs in a library and use them across multiple uh, projects, maybe. Well, yeah. we can share libraries between the Illustrator and Photoshop And our express users so that they can, you can have a professional person creating assets, which perhaps somebody less skilled can take and uh, finesse into a design that they're trying to make. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, and that's the cool part about that, right? When you're, you're talking about that, that leads to a lot of other potential opportunities for you too i believe right because like i've seen this a lot um we talked about it earlier in the week you and i micah but this kind of templated idea of right you know, kind of maintaining that control over what that final piece is going to look like but giving the you know we, we haven't come up with a good term for it yet i don't think but casual designer can we use that <laughs> yeah
0: why not? Why not? okay um the, or, or the customer
1: because if yeah, they're going customer. to be giving us money they they then you know they're not just casual designers but they're actually going to be the customer as well but yes yeah, go on exactly. sorry. there you go
0: perfect
2: i love that it's so a customer giving that customer that feeling of you know creativity i'm i'm this is mine it's personal to me right and and that changes the conversation about price by the way we've talked about that a lot on this program for years but um th- this idea right but again as the print professional how do we maintain that this thing's going to turn out right? And so um, an example mm-hmm. might be uh, an onsite event, right? Uh, you want to have somebody be able to, you know, maybe on a, on a touchscreen kind of thing, be able to, you know, drop their photo in or add, add text. That's going to kind of work and fit inside of things. So like, how are you guys looking at that yeah. from a, a workflow perspective and to kind
1: of enhance that? Yeah. And of course, you know, um, a hundred a thousand different printers and we've got a thousand different workflows but yeah, but, but conceptually absolutely you know you're doing an event um you want everybody to be pleased with this garment that they are coming away with because yeah. you know we all think we're great designers but we're not always um <laughs> but the idea that you might have a a series of templates um uh, which have been designed maybe in a tool like photoshop or illustrator Uh, Where you've been uh, particular about the layout and the fonts, and you've done a lot of work in advance, Um, but you can save one of these templates to your library, and then jump over to Express, and then you know add a photo to it, you know, or change some of the text while maintaining the look and the 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 feel of the template that you created, um, but allow that customization without having to go to somebody and say, well, you can customize it, but you're going to have to use Illustrator. Eh, that's where you start getting getting into trouble, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But doing that sort of thing, um, using a tool like Express, we have various partners that are working as well that use Adobe technology and and might do this in an e-commerce environment, right? How do you enable your customers to upload you know, their image, do a small amount of, um, of changes on your website and effectively have a a web to print e-commerce solution uh where they can order something for you know maybe after the event it's not just what you did on site but somebody gets home and but they had some teeth some photos that they took at that event when they got home and they would like they would they didn't see that t-shirt booth or that that merch booth at, yeah. at that event but you can put something on a website and say well upload that picture that you took while you were there and and have a tail on that on that uh, on that opportunity once you get back to your office and they get back to their homes maybe that can sort of thing can play in as well so i think that sort of thing is is is, is could be quite a good opportunity
2: yeah yeah well and, and i think you probably mentioned this but i also um feel like it's important to kind of make sure that we're because i think one of the challenges i always felt like one of the challenges with that kind of an idea was right again how much control can you give right and so mm-hmm. if like you said, if it's like, oh, well, you're going to have to change that in Illustrator. Yeah, th- that, that kind of stops things for, for a lot of folks. But you can lock down certain
1: parts of right. that template, right? right? So, yes, okay. the idea that when you share that template, you can lock particular objects so that people can't move move them around or make changes to it inadvertently. And so you're just changing the bits where where you want something to change something and get a pleasing, a pleasing result. So, yeah, very powerful. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I again, I'm just giving my perspective in some of the things that I've seen. But you know, our, our world changing from going out and trying to get orders of a thousand or ten thousand of a of a you know static image to now the world really more wants to be let's go out and get those a thousand orders of one, and each of mm-hmm. them is going to be slightly different, right? I mean, even as simple as just changing uh, the monogram in it or changing the text, but. Not, right. not like the old um, variable data kind of world where it was just this block text I mean, you right. you're using an actual designed font and you can have that changed
1: yeah yeah and and what's important there Aaron is that you know when we're creating these tools and this is something we're very particular about you know we want to preserve the the fidelity of that design all the way through all right from design all the way from a templating to the design all the way through to the print stage as well Um we don't want to be, you know, taking our design and converting it into one JPEG very early on because then that design's locked down, right? We can't do anything with that. And it, the quality might not be so good either. Um, you know, by these tools are all based on the same technology. So, for example, if you put something in one of these applications and you you put a color profile, I don't know how technical your audience is, but, you know, I, I've taken it on an iPhone versus an Android phone versus, you know, my box brownie camera and scanned it or whatever Uh but you know making sure that the color information is flowing with the right parts of the of the content we've got a much better chance of being able to reproduce that making sure the fonts are are live in this thing that we're creating and the fonts are are traveling uh with the content as well so that i can make a change to my design maybe i'm changing the name for example but you know because the font data is available i can make those changes and if i've got that font data traveling with the document all the way through to to the print and manufacture stage then i know i can reproduce that font with high quality as well and not just have some pixelated mess yeah yeah well i think
2: that kind of leads us into the the next thing you know like as i said you and i had a chance to talk and i honestly did not really kind of put enough stock into the power that is the the pdf the adobe's pdf technology um You know, I didn't really think through that until you were. I mean, it's just like some light bulbs came off. So maybe share that. But you know, how how is the PDF technology kind of enhancing our workflow? Um, And and as a garment or product printer, you know, what should I be looking for there?
1: Yeah. Well, PDF is had its 30th birthday last year, so it's been around a while. And it and it. So did um, you
2: bring that to Adobe when you started? No. Okay. I I was trying to make
1: the connection there. I was one of the early well I was like early. No, sorry, I can't claim to be early. Okay, all right, that's fine. I'm sorry. With everybody else, you know, back in the early nineties when we first saw PDF, we weren't quite sure what it was for. And somebody had this yeah. idea that you can put a catalogue on a floppy disk and you can take it to another computer and view it on a screen. It's like, yeah, why would I why would I ever want to look at a catalogue on a screen? It sounded a bit alien in the early nineties. Yeah. We do it all the time now, of course. Yeah. Um okay. but But one of the things that that PDF has allowed us to do in the design space is design and share our content, our designs, in a way that is independent of the manufacturing process, which is going to be required. So it doesn't matter if I am printing, you said earlier, you know, are we doing sub? are we doing direct-to-garment, are we we doing um, direct-to-film? You know, in other industries, are we making plates or are we do it making screens, even, right? Because yeah. we'll be, we'll be um, separating the screens. One of the things that PDF allows us to do is to maintain all the original data that we had from the customer, tagging it in an appropriate way so that we know what their intentions were and giving us a really good chance of being able to reapply it, um, whatever the manufacturing process that we're going to be using to, to make that particular garment. Um, as opposed to having our design designers, you know, design the screens that we'll be screen printing. Well, okay, maybe yeah. if we're doing if we go that way, then well, maybe there's a chance we could take that screen printed design and print it digitally because we're only ordering one and it's not yeah. economic to make screens for that, yeah. for that job. But how much better if we allow the customer to design in a world that's familiar to them? Um, uh, don't throw anything away, you know, give me the fonts, give me everything else. And then I will ma- manufacture it using the most appropriate technology to make you happy with these t-shirts or these garments that you're going to get. Yeah. So one of the things that PDF does is, you know, you images can be kept at their original resolution. We tell, have information there about what the colors are supposed to look like, like really look like with color yeah. profiles and stuff. We uh-huh. keep vectors as vector. We keep text as text. We keep, we preserve fonts. We do all these, these amazing things and allow a effectively a digital proof to be shared with the customer but have that digital master file used at all these different stages in a manufacturing process wow
2: yeah so i, I get in and maybe i'm not looking at this correctly so you feel free to correct me for sure but i, I almost kind of look at it like it's you're 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 kind of it's the language right That that's being used and so it, it's making it so everything speaks the same language like you right. said It's got the master file, I think, was what stood out to me when you were were sharing that. And you can Mm -hmm. use that PDF technology kind of as that master file in your workflow and because a lot of the decorators that might be listening in, or a lot of our regulators here, they might screen print. They might also have a direct-to-garment machine, right? They all, right. also might, you know, maybe even do some vinyl cutting and they need the vector right. files, but right. they, they right. could have that out of a PDF. Is, is that kind of what you're Yeah, absolutely. I, I,
1: the, the alternative, that we, the, the standard way we would solve this problem, you know, in the past, maybe even now, is well, we ask the customer for, for their original designs, right? We ask them yeah. for, can you give me the Illustrator file? And, yeah. and some people will say illustrator file and others will say oh yeah he's the illustrator file but then you've got the illustrator file well have you got the fonts okay well the problem with the uh, i don't want a font so I, outlo- I outline the fonts okay well so, so you give the you give you get the uh, the outline version of a design oh but you misspelled my name all right you've got to change it well you've
0: outlined yeah. the fonts now
1: i'm sorry you know yeah. uh, it it's a good way of solving the problem um but it's, it's imperfect um and hopefully with with pdf we get some we get some advantages there i mean the 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 selling point for using pdf in print workflows traditionally is that um the the design is locked down and you don't change it right and that can be a great that is a great benefit of pdf right yeah um, typically you get download a pdf from from the internet and for reason somebody shared a pdf with you is that they've done a lot of work on the design and how it should look and that you're able to preserve that aesthetic uh and view it or print it or manufacture it on any device that's that's good but it's going to look consistent um one of the things that some people are aware of and others aren't is if you really need to um there are tools including from adobe that um, allow you to take that PDF and make changes to it, right? You mm-hmm. can take a PDF file and correct the spelling of the name uh, in the text. Uh, you could uh, replace that image and swap something out from a PDF file. PDF files are, are technically still editable um, with the right software, with the right skill set. So yeah. It, it's it's a digital master you can treat it as a proof you, you can certainly use it to sign off um as a contract proof when you are uh, looking to uh, i'm using contract proof with a small c and a small p but um <laughs> you can use it as right this is what we're gonna what is what's gonna look like when i print it but it doesn't just have to be used for that sort of use case you know these documents can still live and can still be amended if you need them to nice okay all right. And when you say, you know, you can kind of edit those PDF files,
2: as you mentioned there, um, you mentioned that Adobe has uh, has some tools. I
1: mean, are we talking like Acrobat? Is that? The- Acrobat. You can edit PDF files with Acrobat. You can modify them with Illustrator. You can okay. even uh, load them. into. I mentioned Adobe Express earlier. You can even bring a PDF file into Adobe Express and oh, make changes there uh, live oh, wow. within the document. Uh, again, it, depending on your level of skill and what you, yeah. how much control you want. Um, yeah, there are tools there for you yeah
2: okay all right all right yeah I, adobe express is is one of those like you know i'll be working on something in in photoshop and it's like you know what let me just pop this piece into adobe express and use the functionality there and then <laughs> I, I do that I, way I, more than that
1: yeah I, I i use it as well quite a bit aaron and and to be honest where i'm seeing it used uh, one particular thing you we're creating we're on a podcast we're posting this yep. as a, as a video you yep. need to make a quick thumbnail for your podcast or or something else it's not something i'm going to spend a lot of time on because you know i do one podcast a week but i want to create a custom graphic and the least time i can spend doing it the better in that sort of use case express could really be a useful tool just do something really quick and simple which still has the same pleasing result so yeah yeah, it's a it's a great tool yeah definitely definitely okay all right well we're, we're getting
2: we got a little bit more time but we're kind of running down towards the end so uh, this is where I ask you, Mike, to bring out your crystal ball, get it nice and clean, ready for it. <laughs> Predict the future. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I guess, how how do you envision kind of the future of, of content creation for this space, this print space, this garment decorating product print mm-hmm. space, um, especially as you kind of see, you know, integration with the Adobe's tools? Mm-hmm. I think...
1: What we're doing is we're we're shortening the process, we're accelerating the process of getting something made and delivered to me all right You came in with the idea of you know how many napkins have you got this week, and you know what setup are we going to do? What yep. that really means when we think about that sort of way of working is that the lead time you know might be quite long between somebody yep. having an idea and having that box of garments you know ready for their event Yep. um i think we've all seen these timelines are contracting right Mm -hmm. and i think making it easier to create the content um is part of that yeah we've talked about how we're reducing the the runs right we're we're printing one two three t-shirts rather than having to print a thousand for it to be economic um a lot of e-commerce and web to print solutions are going to be a part of that as well i think you, you take it to the next level um one problem we have when we're doing an order of one of a garment is that you better get it right first time right because if you create something and you deliver it to the client and they say oh i don't like that that's not what i had in mind yeah right what are you going to do with that do you let them return it for a full refund yeah uh maybe you do but in which case you're going to swallow that cost so the more we can do to share with the customer exactly what will this look like when it's manufactured so that they get a, a good perception of what's going to be delivered. Yeah, I mean, in the olden days, we did used to call these contract proofs with a capital C, capital P, but that was a long yeah. part of the process. And contract proofs were pretty expensive, right? Or we'd do strike-offs and sampling, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's not economic with a, yeah. with a run of one. So, yeah. you know how can we show our customer what their design is going to look like when printed on this garment and the more accurate and on screen i'll call it a preview Mm -hmm. um that you can share you know how does that design when you put it on a t-shirt wrap around the human form you know don't show somebody you know they've got a square design well don't show them a picture of a t-shirt and a picture of a square you know on the front of that shirt because you know i'm not that (laughs) flat (laughs) my chest is no longer flat and i can anywhere i can balance my beer but um the more we can do to try and use technology to show people what this final thing will look like when they get it delivered to them or in the mail or otherwise yeah. um that sort of thing i think is where where we're going you know making yeah. it um and i don't mean about i'm not so worried about you know scanning somebody and giving them a digital avatar so that when they go shopping they know what they look like in this dress I'm yeah. not going quite i'm not I don't think we need to necessarily go quite that far, but yeah. the more we can do to give set the right expectation about what you will be mm-hmm. unboxing when you get your delivery, then the better chance we have of of not having returns and having our customers pleased and after all, we want them coming back for more yep. if we spend all that time and effort getting a customer and they place one order and they're me just you know not so happy with it and they don't come back and do repeat orders, then we spent all that that time on our on our marketing and uh, and getting that that lead and we're throwing it away. We want people to be delighted with what they're getting, whether they're ordering a thousand or a hundred or one or something. and we want yeah. them coming back to us. So the exactly. more we can embrace technology to help us achieve that, I think the better.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, I think that's such such a good point, right? To set those expectations, and like you said, it's not c- economical to, you know, oh well, here's your proof that you get in the mail. Oh, that's your actual finished product that you're getting in the mail. Right. So, right. Um, yeah, showing them. And I think from from our industry's perspective, we do run into some unique challenges there because we're not printing onto white. You know, we're not printing onto. Uh, I mean, Absolutely. even in even in yeah. traditional print, there's yeah. some. Yeah. To the kind of paper you're using and and all that kind of stuff, but at the same time, now we're we've got dot cane and we've got this fabric that's going to be showing through and all this other stuff that brings in these unique challenges. And like you said, using technology to to show a true look is is important.
1: Yeah, are are we going to be putting down a a a white first and and printing color on top of that or not? And depending on, I mean, we know we can get great effects by sometimes you know not putting down that that base first. Yeah, Um, particularly on a on a um, we don't always print on white and, and um, black t-shirts, right? We we have our yeah. colors, are, other colors are available. But yes. how does that then look when it interacts with the, the design that we're printing? If we can show people that then we're off for a much better place.
2: Yeah, 100%, love it. All right. Well, Mike, if people are interested in learning a little bit more about uh, Adobe Print and, and the tools and b- maybe the community, wh- where might be a good place for them to to go and, and check out some of this information?
1: Yes, well, uh, Adobe has a website. Um, you will be surprised to hear in 2024. You can go to um, adobe.com forward slash go forward slash textiles. That's where we have some bunch and some resources there talking about some of the things we do in the print world um i am part of the adobe print family and so we're also on linkedin you'll find our print family on uh, on linkedin if you search for adobe print family okay sounds good we've got those
2: there and i'll put them in the comments as well so i appreciate you guys uh letting me talk and type at the same time but um i, I guess mike uh, I, I do want to get one one final nugget out of you while i still got a little bit of time if you don't mind um you know, we talked about a lot of different things, a lot of different programs, different things like that. Um, you know, knowing what it sounds like you know quite a bit about our our space here for sure. Um, what specific Adobe products or, or features um, that the design professionals out there or people in our industry specifically should be aware of that might uh, optimize their workflow?
1: Yeah, I mean, if I a couple of treats if you haven't seen them already, and there are plenty of videos about these things on on YouTube and elsewhere as well um if you haven't checked it out yet do take a look at adobe express um it's really quite a powerful um tool and very very easy to use even if you you are not the designer in your business i challenge you you could easily pick up adobe express and be creating great stuff yourself uh very easily worth looking at um you'll see uh integrated with that um what we call adobe firefly that's our our tools for um doing ai stuff and play with that um you can give it prompts you can ask it to improve your your upload an image and improve it you can do some exciting stuff there that's worth looking at um that also manifests itself in products like adobe photoshop Um, if you haven't checked out the later versions most recent version of adobe photoshop that's um out there you'll find that on adobe.com what you can do in that tool, um, and a bunch of this is available in Express as well. The same AI-powered stuff is available in Express. Okay.
2: Um,
1: but in, in in Photoshop, I've done things like, as you said, expanding an image to improve a bleed. Um, I would love to take a screen grab of your office there and put it in the Photoshop and do a, a um, an AI-powered generative expand and imagine what the rest of your office looks like. You know, you can take a scene... Uh, or a photo that you've taken and play with that and it's um, it can be a real fun wow moment people have done it to uh what what would this album cover look like if you expand it in in both dimensions and see what it would look like you can put your own content in there it's just fun very Um, cool (laughs) i would say play with that um have a look at some of those tools um you won't be able to put them down yeah oh
2: man the the rabbit hole you'll go down there um it would be fun for sure well there we go so we've got our homework we're going to go check that out Mike, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate you uh, taking some time with us here today and, and it was a pleasure to meet you and looking forward to uh, seeing what uh, what Adobe continues to do. And so keep up the great work over there. Great, thanks so much, Aaron. Appreciate everybody's time. Have a great day. All right, awesome talking to Mike and, and again, appreciate his time. And it was really uh, great to meet him and, and, and looking forward to uh, maybe some more conversations in the future. Um, so make sure that you're checking out those links, the uh, adobe.com uh, forward slash go textile, and then finding them over there on LinkedIn and the Adobe print family. So um, great stuff there today. All right, you guys, well, we've got a few things to kind of close this up here today. Um, happenings, the on the road, the travels, as I mentioned, Eric and Terry are currently in Long Beach. And so if you are in that area, make sure you get over there to the Impressions Expo and uh, check those guys out. Uh, I think uh, Terry will be found in the Equipment Zone booth over there and and whatnot. But um, for me, my first uh, road show, it looks like here, I will be traveling to the DAX Kansas City show And uh, I have two seminars happening that day, The Fundamentals of Pricing Your Printing and The Fundamentals for Small Business Growth. And that will be happening on Friday, February 23rd, 2023. So go over to dashshow.com and check that out and uh, get registered for those seminars. I think the seats are filling up in in a number of the classes. So um, sign up early. Um, It does also look like I will be heading to the Impressions Expo in Atlantic City. Um, As well as some potential uh, shows with the uh, new folks at Graphics Pros here. So I don't have a whole lot to report officially quite yet, but uh, stay tuned. Um, I'm looking forward to actually getting out on the road more than I thought I was going to this year. Um, Also, step away from the mic to show you, but uh, the My book, The Fundamentals of Business Success, it is out. This is an actual copy. It's real. It's got all the content in it. It's got uh, over 100,000 words of uh, some great information about how to build the foundation of your business. So you can check that out. You can see it next to my name there at osg.link forward slash biz book. And then the one other thing that I have to share with you guys is uh, each Wednesday morning, I get to hang out with the Fab Four, which includes Tanya Deutscher, my wife, Kyleen Montgomery, Becky Kotzer, and myself. And uh, we talk a lot of mindset stuff. Uh, Tanya and uh, Kyleen bring you the wellness toolbox. And uh, Becky and I break down the uncommon mindset. And every once in a while, we'll also put a small business gem in there. So uh, check that out and uh, tune in live. It happens bright and early central time, 7 a.m. central time. So uh, it'll get your Wednesday off to a perfect start, or you can go back and watch the replay at any time. You can do that at liveosg.com to check all that out. Um, as far as the guys, Terry and Eric, uh, we'll, we'll let them bring what they've got coming up, but Eric will be out at DAX with me. Uh, looks like Terry's got his screen printing classes coming up, so uh, stay tuned on all that, and it looks like Terry will also be at the Impressions Expo, and, and I believe Eric will be too, but I don't quote me on that. So um, we're looking forward to uh, seeing you guys out there on the road now. Also, as I mentioned, we do have the secret sauce for you today. And even though Terry's not here, the power of video has made this possible. So without further ado, I am going to let Terry bring you the secret sauce today.
0: Today's secret sauce is for our screen printing friends, specifically properly degreasing screens. Let me start by explaining the what and the why of degreasing the what is cleaning your screen mesh thoroughly before coating with emulsion the why is the fact that emulsion we use to coat our screens is water-based so any contaminants on the mesh can cause the emulsion to not adhere properly the results of contaminants on the screen mesh is the scourge of screen printing pinholes Pinholes don't necessarily show up on the first print. Maybe on the third print, a tiny dot of color shows up on, on your garment. Two more prints and a, another dot. Another print and three more dots of color show up. And you use a roll of scotch tape covering the holes on the screen after every print stroke. When screens come from your supplier, they will already have oil and other contaminants on the mesh. The oil from your skin uh, handling those screens will cause more contamination. So before you coat your screens, you need to properly degrease the mesh. The process is simple. First, wet the screen in your washup sink. Second, use a pump spray bottle to apply a small amount of degreasing solution that you buy from your screen print supplier. Third, using a non-abrasive brush, gently scrub the mesh on both sides. Be sure the brush is only used for the degreasing process so you don't further contaminate the screen with a dirty brush. Last, with a garden hose pressure, wash the suds from the mesh. Once the screen is dry, you are ready to coat with emulsion. So what are some of the misinformation out there? You only need to degrease your screen when they come out of the box, but not when you reclaim the screen to reuse and coat with emulsion again. Absolutely wrong. There are probably more contaminants on that screen after it's been reclaimed than when it came out of the box in the first place. You must degrease your screen every time before you coat with emulsion again. Otherwise, pinholes. Another bit of misinformation is the use of an an abrader the first time you degrease your screens. Again, incorrect information. An abrader is degreaser with grit in it to roughen up the surface of the mesh to make the emulsion adhere better. Wrong again. If you use wet emulsion, you're coating both sides of the screen mesh and it adheres to itself through the mesh. But roughening up the the mesh can create tiny tears that cause your mesh to lose uh, tension faster. It's, It's gonna shorten the life of your screen. The only reason to use an abrader is if you use a capillary film as your emulsion. Capillary film is dry emulsion that adheres to just one side of your wet screen capillary film is not as durable as a wet emulsion, and not commonly used in garment printing. I recommend buying degreaser from your screen print supplier. It's simply a pure detergent with no additives. Can you use anything else? You can. Simple green from the hardware store works, but but not dishwashing soap, even though it says it's grease fighting. Dishwashing soap has hand softeners, oil-based hand softeners. But we're screen printers. We should use products that uh, are made for the screen printing process. Here's my pro tip advice on the critical window of screen prep success. I don't care what you do with the screen before it's degreased. You can touch the mesh. You can have it in a room with cotton lint in the air or dust. But once you degrease the screen, you need to get it dry as quickly as possible. While it's wet, a screen can attract dust and lint from the air that will adhere to the wet mesh. Pinholes waiting to happen. I only recommend—I uh, recommend either a professional drying cabinet or a rack you build yourself. And if you build your own rack to hold your screens, place a dehumidifier in the bottom uh, and enclose the screens. The faster they dry, dehumidifier pull, pulling that moisture out of the air, the less potential contamination. Once dry, coat right away. Uh, and again, get the, the emulsion on the screen dry as quickly as possible. Wet emulsion can attract contaminants as well. Properly degreased screens will virtually eliminate pinhole issues on the press. That's my secret sauce for today.
2: All right. Well, thank you very much, Terry. Appreciate you bringing us that secret sauce. So so again, all you screen printers out there, hopefully that was useful for you. The scourge, the pinholes, the scourge of screen printing. I I think that uh, is probably very true from what I've heard. So thank you, Terry, very much. All right, you guys. Well, we are right on time here. We've come to the close of another show. Uh, I just want to take a moment and and thank uh, Mike uh Struton. i think I, I i don't know i probably got it wrong again but thank you mike appreciate you very much for being here and um love uh, all of that great information that we got and uh, so looking forward to talking to mike again soon uh, i do want to uh, thank terry and eric for all of their help and, and everything that they do to continue to make two regular guys what it is each and every week and uh, looking forward to having them back next week on the show uh speaking of next week on the show Uh, We will be joined by a gentleman named Barry, and I have not confirmed, (laughs) I know what his last name is, but I'm not even going to come here, we're close to getting it right, so I'm not going to bother butchering his last name, those of you that know me. mispronouncing names is my thing apparently, but anyhow, uh, Barry will be joining us and he's going to be talking about utilizing virtual assistants to grow your business. And, uh, I've had a chance to meet him and talk with him and he's got some really interesting ideas and concepts around the use of virtual assistants in your business. So, uh, I think you guys are going to really enjoy this conversation that we have next week as well. So until then, uh, I am standing in for Terry Combs and Eric Campbell, and my name is Aaron Montgomery, and that was The Two Regular Guys. Here we go. We're out. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for listening to Two Regular Guys. Check out our website at tworegularguys.com. That's the number two, regularguys.com. You can also interact with us over at our Facebook page, facebook.com tworegularguys or send us a tweet, twitter.com slash guys. And we have a YouTube page. You can find all that from our website,
0: tworegularguys.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to spending some time with you again next week.